As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. My name is Alex Croson. I'm alongside my lovely co-host, Casey Clapp. Casey, good day. Good day, Alex. How you be? Oh, very good. Apologies. We should put this out there right now. Uh huh. Our accents are terrible. Yes, but I do feel that the people of Australia. Uh, who who host the tree of today's episode? Yes, will probably just laugh it off. Yeah, they'll just shrug and be like Americans. Yeah, they speak like idiots. Back to the beach. <laughs> oh gosh, they do have a nice place. I have not been to Australia, Alex. Have you? I have not been to Australia. All right. it, I don't even. I think it's on my list. Yeah. Well, I, I would be interested, sure. Is a metaphysical list? Like you can't actually pick it up and look and confirm one here's, way or the other? Here's the thing. And I, this might offend some Australians. I oh. hope it doesn't. Uh-oh. And we will almost surely get some emails about this <laughs> correcting me or, or giving me counter evidence. I don't think – I, I, I want to travel for food. Ah, okay. I'm most interested in traveling to places that have rich culinary scenes, mm, right? Like Bangkok. And, and histories, sure. Okay. Mexico, uh, Italy, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think Australia is like really food-centric. They have, of course, a lot of really good seafood. Okay. But can you think of any like Australian dishes? I saw, uh, I think Jeff Corwin eat a honey out of the abdomen of an ant species. Yeah, see, that's just honey, though. That's But it's from the abdomen of a species of ant. Okay. You literally pick the ant up and you go... You Ew, just you pull it, yeah, right out from it. Yeah, you slurp it like a like a grape out yeah, of its skin. Exactly. That sounds all right. Yeah, that's that's culinary as heck. But anyway, yeah, I think they have a lot of good seafood. I just don't okay. know if they're like you know, there's a lot like a lot of really good, all right like, interesting culinary things happening. In so I think what you're saying right now, this is what I'm hearing, is uh-huh. we need we need to go to Australia to either a see. Or B, cook some Australian themed stuff. Maybe kangaroo. I feel like that's bushmeat down there. Oh sure, I'm sure. I'm sure some people eat kangaroo. They're they're like an invasive species, aren't they? In Australia? Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure they're they're quite native. I'm not using the word invasive correctly. A nuisance. I, I mean a nuisance. Yeah, they're ah. just like they're fucking everywhere. They're like yeah. they're like rats on a farm. Oh, Shoot God. them. I feel like I have heard that, but you know what? They were there first. We'll move on. We got to talk about trees rather than kangaroo anyway. That's right. And Casey, today we have a fantastic tree to talk about <laughs> a lovely smelling tree that i'm quite excited to talk about oh do you have the scent right now in my nose yeah you know what i do have some incense that i can mm, light for this episode let's do it should I we think do we that should. yes okay. absolutely we'll be right back okay welcome back we have lit the eucalyptus incense 
wonderful, Alex. It is wonderful. So far, it's just burning off that tip, so it just smells like smoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought that's what incense smells like. <laughs> All right. I, whoops. But it will become a nice eucalyptus smell. That's going to be very settling, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Maybe well, this will be a calm episode. I think it should be. Everyone, take it easy. Yeah. Relax, everybody. Grab yourself a cool. beverage. Beverageino. Beverageino. <laughs> well, Alex, you're right. We're talking about a tree today. It's going to be the mountain ash, confusingly enough, uh-huh. which is a eucalyptus, eucalyptus regnans. Right. Sometimes called the swamp gum. Yeah. I love that name. There's another one too. It's the uh, stringy gum. Yeah. I've heard that also. I like swamp gum because it just feels like I'm chewing gum when I say it. Yeah. And would you imagine doing that in a swamp as like you're chewing gum up to your chest in like swampy water? I think so. Which means that inevitably you'd have like up to your knees would be sediment. Yeah, just contracting malaria. I feel like you would hate that so bad. Uh, yeah. I feel like if I would not like it, it must be something that you would literally try to fly away from. Yeah, I remember you inviting me to the bush one time <laughs> in North Carolina or something. Uh, probably. I don't know. Yeah, you I, were like, I don't know if you. You said, I don't, I don't know if you're into the, like, the bush. And I yeah. was like, I don't even, I know. Like, I'm not sure what you're asking me right now, Casey. Well, that's right, Casey. Today we're talking about the eucalyptus or the mountain ash eucalyptus. Yes. Eucalyptus regnans. That's it, regnans. As we do every episode, we are going to travel to Australia in some absurd way. Yes. And what, what way? Okay, so right now we ended last week uh-huh. in, um, I think it was the northeastern, I'm sorry, Europe. It's yes, central, we were in southern Europe. The Alps, that's yeah. right. So we're already at high elevation. I bet you we could just glide there if we took like one of those big glider planes. Can we I just kind of hop? Yes, I like that. Okay. I have a pr- another proposal. All right, I'm here. I'm ready. Because we're talking about marsupials today. That's true. And Australia is full of them. I, it, it, chock full. I think we should take sugar gliders <laughs> are they marsupials yeah they are i gotta look up a sugar glider sugar fast. glider are just the some of the most precious animals on god's green earth casey sugar glider yeah don't keep them as pets though all right oh those are adorable yeah and they glide around we can hop on a couple of them and omnivorous arboreal nocturnal gliding possums that is beautiful oh wait and belonging to the marsupial Infra, infra class. That's awesome. Yeah. So I imagine you and I would hop into the little pouch, poke <gasps> our little heads out, and then have it be like, are you ready? And then we f- take off like the eagles taking us to uh, Mordor. Yes. All right, cool. If, any, if anybody out there listening is a good artist and can render this <laughs> in send it to colored us. pencil or anything. We will give you five whole dollars. <laughs> uh, so Casey, we land, we, 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 cl- we drop out of the pouches in yep. the forests of Tasmania. Tasmania. Uh, and Australia. Really, it's the very southern edge of central Australia in Tasmania. I guess it's the point. It feels like it's southern to me. And we look up and we see these beautiful trees. Uh, and I say, oh my God, what are these? And you say, they're eucalyptus regnans. Casey, let's talk about these trees. What do we see? Smell. That's an important ooh, one it's today. It's very important. And uh, feel. So you noted you're looking up. And that is because these trees are super, super tall. Magnificently so. Magnificently tall. The tallest of all the broadleaf trees. This is a great takeaway. Yes. All the angiosperms, I would say. Wow. Yeah. Instead of uh, the only thing that beats them. And this is a contentious issue. Everyone who's listening to this in Australia is probably just like, no, we did it. (laughs) 
And I am saying, no, 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 we can't necessarily prove it. Not to mention, technically, there's might be a Douglas Firth that was taller. But, Alex, uh-huh. they say that there's potentially a uh, eucalyptus regnans, the Australian mountain ash, that has grown taller than any other recorded tree in the world. Any other tree, period. Period. So it's possible that a mountain ash is the tallest tree ever in the world. Yes, that's, it, that's incredible. Exactly it. Yeah, they're huge trees. First off and foremost, and they at least get second place, um, first place in their category. You know, you have to have different categories of this. You know, so like they're they're first place in in the broadleaf category. There's no broadleaf tree taller. Okay, that's great. for sure. Other than that, you're going to see a bunch of really, really cool bark. And that is what really draws uh, eucalyptus trees apart from a lot of other different kinds of broadleaf trees is that they kind of have, um, hey, there's like 700 different, 700 different species of eucalyptus. Yes. And you and I had a bit of a tricky time figuring out which species, because every episode of the show, we cover one specific species. Correct. So it was kind of hard because I... I sort of thought eucalyptus was a species. Ah. But eucalyptus is, of course, a genus. Yes. Uh, so there are 700 types of these things. Exactly. Not all of them are trees, though. Okay, this this confirms one of my suspicions. Ah. I always thought a eucalyptus was a bush. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's huge, huge trees. Yeah. But yeah, it's like saying oak. Like, oh, we're going to cover oak today. Right. Where there's like, oh, well, which one, you know? Yeah, so we, we landed on this Regnans business. Yes, the mountain ash, because it's the biggest, and, and you know, yeah. I like superlative trees. So the other thing that we always love to talk about, so the, I, was, I was talking about their bark, so I yeah, brought bark. up 700 different species, because each species has like different kinds of bark. Mm-hmm. Where there's some trees that, like um, a cherry is a great example, where they always have the same kind of bark. Where if it's a cherry, it's going to have a similar bark uh, pattern. They're all, they all look really similar. Okay. Birches are, are similar in that regard as well. Um, other trees do this, like uh, the spruce. All spruces kind of just share the same bark characteristics. Hmm. Eucalyptus, though, do not. Some are perfectly smooth and then will have... Each year, they put on a new layer of bark, but the outermost layer, the old one, the year's old layer, just falls off either in like big straps, like little plates or like, you know, giant, I think I've heard about being like literal huge, almost like uh, you you wrap something in plastic Uh and like an entire sheet of plastic would fall off. It's like entire sheets of bark just exfoliate. I don't think they're big enough to like cause problems because they're like a millimeter or less thick. They're so thin, yeah. Yeah, but they just like flap away. That's incredible. But then others will keep their bark for a long time. Some keep just like the lower portions of bark, which is really interesting because how does a tree know that the bottom like section is where the bark stays and the top section exfoliates. Yeah. It's very strange. Other trees do this. The madrone does this uh, to an extent. The uh, sycamores do this to another extent. Are they protecting their roots? They would be protecting the lowest bark, uh, the lowest section of the trunk, but that's where fire comes through because eucalyptus, ah, they are famously fire-dependent or uh, fire-adapted species. In fact, there's theories that that is why they're so broadly uh, distributed in Australia is because when the Aborigines first came over like 40,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. they started lighting fires more often than they would naturally occur without human intervention, and then the tree just started to grow everywhere because it was adapted to that kind of thing okay so this tree though it loses its bark it all the time uh especially in that topmost section the bark will just kind of fluff away okay 
Um, but it will have um, kind of little puzzle piece launch straps. I, it's somewhat colored, I believe. Like you can kind of look at it and see where old bark is retained and some bark is new. So some parts of it are bone white. Some of it have like these old sections that are still kind of stuck. So you get this like almost long mottled look along wow. the kind of the stem. It's really beautiful. Sounds beautiful. It looks beautiful. I it can does. Photos. Yeah, I was gonna say you googled them. You you saw that. Yeah. Well, they also have a really beautiful uh, leaf, and this is one thing. That that I really think are just not like everyone kind of knows what the leaves of eucalyptus look like, but I don't know if people really have paid attention to some very specific things about them. Hmm. So the leaves of most eucalyptus trees, when they're young and juvenile, they will be oppositely arranged okay, and they will be like circles, almost like a stem that comes up with a circle around it. Oh, does that make sense? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And then as it becomes mature, then all of a sudden they're alternately arranged. They have little stems that come out, little petioles. And then those leaves are like these long kind of curved lanceolate, lance shaped leaves. For the for the stem with the circle around it, uh, yeah. just for a visual, I'm imagining like putting a peach ring on my finger. Uh, yeah. What do you mean by a peach ring? What is that? The, the gummy candy. Oh, yes. Yes. That's exactly it. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. That's I can't okay. even picture that. Were you thinking Princess Peach's ring when she <laughs> gets engaged to Mario? <laughs> of course I was. Because that's what I always think of. Yeah. You're it's, always making video game references. Yeah, mostly I'm thinking of Mario video games because that's, that's my go-to. Oh. Have you played Mario Odyssey? Well, of course not. Well, we should change that. All right, I don't even I, I I don't even know what that means. It's a it's the newest Mario game. There's still new Mario games? Of course. Wow, I had no idea. What else? How many other how many times can you beat Bowser, you know? They keep coming up with new ways. Well, this tree has uh, those same kind of leaf fashion. So it looks like this princess peach ring over your finger. Uh-huh. And then as it grows older, it, uh, it switches and it's really strange. I think this is one of the only species that changes, not species, kinds of trees that do that so extraordinarily. It's like a know? metamorphosis. It really is. Like it feels very strange. Like junipers, they'll have leaves that are different based on um, juvenile and older leaves where some mm. are like all shaped where they're really pokey, but then they will turn into a pressed like scale like leaves weird so they'll also do that but they they won't change like their orientation going from uh opposite to alternate like that's just so strange yeah do we know why that happens i don't know i I haven't figured that out Mm. i'll have to look into it i assume that it is just like when young plants start growing they have um it's called cotyledons they're like the two first leaves that come out oh yeah the dicots versus monocots grasses versus not um and the the dicots their leaves will always look almost exactly the same the very 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 first two that's why they're in such a large group and that's why it's such a kind of fundamental classification okay where it's like okay all these leaves look exactly the same but then the next leaf or the next leaves that come out look completely different interesting yeah and you can see this with um say the instant cedar and um I guess just not that. They, they're not quite in the same family. But the very first juvenile leaves to come out on most plants look completely different than all the mature leaves that come out. But mm-hmm. usually, it's just those very first two. Yeah. So it might be that in this case for the eucalyptus, it just has some reason that instead of being just the first two that look this very specific way, they the first several all look this way. And right. then after a while, the different gene kicks in and then the you know it goes to whatever it the mature leaves should look like. Well, Casey, let's talk about the flower. Well, the eucalyptus flower 
is a really, really beautiful thing. And there's a lot of different kinds of them. Basically what they do is they have, um, they're in the myrtle family, and that usually references like the little capsule-like fruit that comes from this. But their flowers are like these really big, um, they're like, I guess these ones for this specific species, um, they just kind of pop out and the flower in March and May, so are like classic spring here, but down in Australia, that is fall, I believe, or late summer. Oh, sure. I think that's correct. So uh, these ones have white flowers, but other eucalyptus have flowers that are purple, that have like these really like maroon colors and mm. things like that. And they usually have a bunch of big stamens that pop out. Their yeah. sepals and their uh, petals are fused together to kind of have this like covering. So they just kind of open up, send out all these little uh, stamen and uh, pistils, and then they look like kind of bottle brushy kind of things where you, you could like clip one off and like put on powdered makeup or something like that. They sound beautiful. They look beautiful. I think they are really beautiful and there's so many different kinds, 700 different species. Right. So they all have, you know, a little bit of different flavor to them. Nuts. Well, Casey, are you ready for some Croson homegrown trivia? Oh, you bet I am. All right. We have three topics today. All right. For the eucalyptus. For the, I keep calling it the eucalyptus. It's hey, not called the eucalyptus. That's fair. It's a eucalyptus. You can you can just say, yeah, I think it's fair. It's just also, you know. <sighs> okay. I'm gonna I'm just gonna say this eucalyptus. Yeah, there you go. That works out perfectly. All right. Human <laughs> use, animal use, and etymology. All and right. A little bonus fun fact at the <laughs> end. Ooh. So let's do it. Okay, so human use. Uh, eucalyptus trees at large are uh, extremely popular for pulp, the pulpwood industry. Ah. Uh, of course, pulp being used to make paper. I was going to say, yeah. So the oil from the eucalyptus yeah. makes a great cleaning product. Uh-huh. Air freshener, as we are smelling. Mm, we are. Uh, candles, incense, etc. You can also, Casey, have you ever hung a sprig of eucalyptus in your shower? I have, actually. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm not sure if there's a specific species that is better or worse than that because yeah. I had almost no luck. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. So I guess for anyone who's not uh, familiar, the idea is that you hang a sprig of eucalyptus in your shower mm-hmm. and then when you get the bathroom really hot and steamy, mm-hmm. it basically volatilizes the the smells and the, the, the oils in the leaves. That's right. Then your shower smells great. Also, yes. it's somewhat antibacterial, so you help to like keep it clean. That's right. And it maybe the scent, the aroma is very calming. So you yeah. You have a nice calming shower. Right. Uh, eucalyptus are also water guzzlers, Casey. Uh, These uh, motherfuckers love water. You know, I'm a water guzzler. I was going to drink some water right now. Hey, cheers, my friend. Yep. Clink. <sighs> Just like a eucalyptus. It's down there by your foot. Yes. Thanks, you Alex. got it. Uh, so uh, eucalyptus are planted strategically in some places to lower the water table and uh, fix like soil salination. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it makes and it makes your soil healthier, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's planted in swamps to drain swamps. Oh, you should plant some of those uh, okay. in Washington D.C. Okay, if you know what I mean. okay. <laughs> it had to be said. Uh, it can also reduce standing water and reduce the risk of malaria. Interesting. I wonder um, why. Oh, I guess well, it would because it gets rid of the water. Yeah, that standing mm. water is just a hotbed, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, more like a cool bed. Okay. Yeah, because it's water. So, Casey, in my in my search for things about uh, the uh, planting eucalyptus in swamps, I found a political cartoon. Oh, right. <laughs> from 
1884. Okay. Okay. Yeah. August 27th, 1884 from Puck Magazine or mm. publication. Honestly, pretty classic. It's a centerfold, Casey. Oh, God. And I'm going to describe it to you here. We'll, we'll put is this, it- Is this safe for work? It is safe for work, yes. Uh, it's it's dumb, but like I feel like a lot of political <laughs> cartoons are. Uh, we'll put a picture of this in our in our uh, Instagram post for this episode, so you all can see it for yourselves. It's called the New Democratic Eucalyptus Tree. Purifies <laughs> a political morass. Uh, it sh- depicts Grover Cleveland. Ah, good old Cleveland as a large eucalyptus tree. Like his head is like kind of on this eucalyptus tree. He is part of the tree, <laughs> labeled Eucalyptus Clevandus. <laughs> his roots are labeled honor and honesty, mm. and his branches sweet? spread over a swampland. Okay. <laughs> And these gaseous ghosts are being released from the swamps, and the ghosts are labeled. This is all you got to do: just label things, and you yeah, have a political cartoon. Yeah. It's just very imagery heavy. Yes, it's, and you have to basically tell people what it means <laughs> yeah. in the illustration. the The ghosts are labeled stupidity, KKK, <laughs> bourbonism. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, Kellyism, whoever that is. Yeah. Uh, spoils system, and then uh, there's the Democratic headquarters in the background. So. Of course, and, and it's no, it's no, it's it's not subtle what this is saying. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah that uh, uh, you know, Cleveland will drain the swamp. Yeah, right. I would have, I would have voted for him. It sounds like. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's that's that was a funny thing I found. Um, eucalyptus trees also used to make didgeridoos, Casey. Uh, I I think I would have assumed that actually, but you know, you should never make assumptions like that. No, of course, a didgeridoo is a traditional Australian Aboriginal wind instrument. Oh, so cool. And I'm going to play a little clip of some didgeridoo. Oh, my God, Alex. Right here. so guttural it's extremely guttural i love it it's made from the the the, the hollowed out trunk of a eucalyptus tree i'm just amazed that they could do that it's pretty incredible i love that instrument but if you didn't like that instrument of course you could yeah. call it a didgeridon't uh, i just want to yeah, say that I, I i like that so let's move on to animal uses of course the mm. number one animal in the eucalyptus is life casey on three ready one, One, two, two three. three. Koalas. Oh, I, sh- I should have said sugar glider. Well, I'm glad you didn't. All right. You cooperated with, with the bit. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, koalas are big time into eucalyptus. I, that's what I hear. And I hear they're, they're, they're a little bit, uh, you know, uh, lacking in facilities, if you will. <laughs> yeah, koalas are dumb as shit. Yeah, that's... And they love to eat these toxic leaves. <laughs> We're going to talk about the toxicity of the, of the uh, eucalyptus leaf in a bit after the break. Mm-hmm. But, Casey, they have a specialized gut uh, biome to basically process these extremely toxic leaves... And they're not nutritious, eucalyptus leaves. I've heard that, yeah. So koalas just have to eat a shit ton to get anything out of them. I feel like that is just such a silly problem to have. You're like, oh, this grass is so bad for me. I only get a tiny bit of anything from it. So I'm just going to... 
I'm just going to eat a lot of it. Yes. Feels like you should just switch. They're so dumb. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm going to eat that bug over there. That's what I'm going to eat. Yeah. I wonder if their just stomach can't handle it at this point. So that, that basically that toxic stuff yeah. that, that makes it a good disinfectant, this oil, um, good for cleaning products. It basically gets soaked into their tissue and they process it in this like extra special part of their stomach. That's and then it so funny. Absorbs into their tissues. So koalas taste like crap. You can't, you don't want to eat a koala. Casey. See, that's why there's no culinary things in Australia because oh. they can't eat. Uh, they want to eat the koala, but they can't. This is an interesting progression to, to the theory. It tastes terrible. The nectars uh, from the, the flowers, Casey loved by many insects, birds, bats, and possums. Yes. Weirdly. Possums. Uh, they, there's so many wacky possums around there. Like possums in the tropics. They're everywhere. More marsupials. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there is a beetle called Ostroplatypus incompertus. Uh, it's incomparable. It's an incomparable platypus beetle from <laughs> Australia. It makes its galleries exclusively inside eucalyptus trees. Oh, that's too bad. The eucalyptus tree, tro- eucalyptus tree probably doesn't like that. But here's the, the kind of beautiful uh, recyclable oh. nature of this tree, Casey. Uh-huh. A gallery is made inside of it. Mm-hmm. Kills the tree. Yeah. Right? Um, or termites. Yeah. And then... Uh, somebody comes along, hacks it down, and makes a didgeridoo out of it. That's how they hollow out those trees. They use trees that are hollowed out by beetles and All bugs. right. That makes sense then. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a little decay starts it up. Okay, yeah. All perfect. Right. I'm on board with this. Yeah, cool. The eucalyptus is also called home by the largest moth known to man. What is the name of that moth? Zelotypia stacei. Ah, uh, Stacy's zelomoth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has a 250 millimeter wingspan for our American friends. That is 10 damn inches. God, that's huge. It is the biggest moth in the world. I love the idea of like walking through a forest and like feeling like this breeze, like, you're like, oh, what's, what's blowing next to me? And it's just a giant moth. <laughs> Alex, can't you can't it gives me the it. shutters. Yeah, well, yeah, it's because it's so cool. It's so cla- like you could cut one of those wings off and use it as a fan. Okay. Yeah, poor moth, though. I guess I feel bad. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. She's got to cut the wings off of a flying animal. Environmentalist Casey yeah. Clapp. Hey. Uh, yeah. A, 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 a moth the size of a crow. A it's just dinner plate. Terrifying. Wow. I love that. Um, ah, I want to see it. Yeah. Well, there's pictures online, I'm sure. I want it to land on my shoulder. Wow. That would be just so gross. Yeah. Like a pirate. You know how they have their parrots? Oh. I want, I want a moth. So lastly, I'd like to speak about... One of my favorite topics. Oh, is okay, okay. The etymology. That's right. Oh, I, I found this up and I told you about it. And you're like, Casey, I already know that. Yeah. And I was like, oh. The word eucalyptus was coined in 1788 by a French botanist, Charles-Louis Letier de Brutul. We. Oui. Uh, so here's, how, here's the breakdown of how this word works. EU, or U, means well in Greek. Okay. Uh, Calyptus means covered. So well covered. Yeah. And before we go to the break, one last fun little fact. Oh, this is the one that you didn't tell me about. No. Oh. This is a this is a callback to our Black Willow episode. No, our Black Ooh. Walnut episode. Oh yeah. Eucalyptus trees, unlike the Black Walnut, are proven to have allelopathic effects, Casey. Oh, my goodness. They do. Now, this has been proven, you say, so people have done the actual science on this. They I haven't just so. said so. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense. I could see that because of the amount of um, 
basically the chemicals, like the essential oils that we're going to be talking about here in just uh-huh. like 30 seconds, that is really what the problem is, isn't it? Like they, they would, it, it inhibits the growth. Is that what it comes from? Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. I'm, I'm no botanist. Yeah, sure. I just read a Wikipedia article. Hey, you know what? Good for me. Good for me too. You're botanist now. Congratulations, I, Alex. And here's something good for everybody. A break, Casey. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome on back to Completely Arbitrary. That's right. Today we're talking the eucalyptus regnans. That's right. The mountain ash. The mountain ash, the swamp gum, the stringy gum swampers. Mm-hmm. The tree of a thousand names. It's exactly what it is. Oh, man. Alex, I've just, in, in the break, I was looking at photos of this tree because I just think it's so great. And one thing I think is so curious is that the forests down there of these trees mimic the forests of, say, here up in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. In such an exact way, where I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, I expect there's a bunch of snow on the ground in a lot of these pictures. And I'm like, no, these trees don't take cold conditions. They don't do it. They don't like it. Interesting. And so yeah, I look at it, and I like my brain thinks temperate forest, but they're not. They're like rainforests, like in a tropical sense. What makes you think temperate forest? Just by the way they look, because they're tall, straight timber trees oh. that are like clumped together in the same way that our Douglas fir or our hemlocks would be out here. Yeah. And they also get to these massive, huge sizes. There's ferns all around it. There's moss growing up the side of the lower stems. So it just has the appearance of the same kind of forest that we have up here, but... Not like completely and indifferent in every way. Yeah, I also noticed this the ratio of stem to foliage is really yeah. high. Yeah, it's there's you mean like more stem, less foliage. It's like 90% stem, and then the foliage is just a little dot yeah, at the top. Exactly, and that's the same thing that happens with our, our conifers up here mm-hmm. is that they just grow these exact perfect stems, and then only the biggest, oldest ones like have these big, gigantic limbs that come out and create these more massive canopies. But yeah. otherwise, you're exactly right. Well, Casey, today we're t- well, Casey, today we're going to talk about essential oils. That's exactly what we're going to do. We are not trying to sell you on some snake oil. Mm-mm. We're telling you on essential oils from trees. That's right. Just a little bit different than snake oil. Well, let's talk it. Well, so Alex, as you brought up earlier, the eucalyptus trees create um, all these oils. Like you said, the wood itself is oil-filled. Maybe you didn't say that. Maybe I just read that and put it in your mouth. Yes. Uh, but the wood is uh, it has oil filled within it. All these essential volatile oils are what they're called. Hmm. And we've talked about this before where, um, remember when we would say that if a tree cuts uh, or gets cut, it sends out these volatile organic compounds? Yes. Well, that is an essential oil, essentially. And so what that means, essential oil, just means it's an oil that has the essence of the scent of that that plant. Essential comes from essence. Yes, exactly. Which feels like a misnomer when you read it. Like, it's the essential oil. You you, you interpret it as like, it's the important oil. Yeah, or like, this this oil is essential to the tree. Like, uh, this tree wouldn't be what it is without this oil. Exactly, which to some extent, it's not incorrect but i feel like it's it's a little bit too much you know so in is in this instance the essence of the tree is in the oils in the sense that it is 
a, a compound that keeps things away or fights against it. Okay. So half the reason we like essential oils is because they have certain properties that mm-hmm. would be really good for us, us humans. You named a couple of them earlier when you were talking about um, hanging them up or using them as incense or our human uses. Um, notably, um, they're disinfectants. Why are they disinfectants? Because they get rid of bacteria. They're antibacterial. Right. They are antifungal in a lot of cases. They also smell really nice. That's, you know, know, that could go either way. Maybe if our noses were attuned to different things, we would be completely turned off by them. Right. Um, But they also um, are really good for um, keeping away insects because they are oils that basically repel insects in the sense that they either cause them, like I was saying just now, if it smells really good to us, there's something else that might be like, oh, I can't stand that. I'm getting away from that. Right. And insects are famous for um, having extremely sensitive antennae that basically smell things. And that's how they see, that's how they feel a lot of times, Mm. is using scent. Moths are a perfect example, where pheromones are hugely important in how they function. So if you have a pheromone or some scent that's out there, especially if it's so um, intense that we can smell it and we have very poor senses of smell, Mm. then other things that have extremely high senses, high sensitivity smells, senses of smells. There's a lot of sense words I'm saying right now. Yeah, I'm having a hard time keeping up, honestly. (laughs) Uh, So if there's an insect that is very sensitive to scents. (laughs) We have to shut this episode down. (laughs) Yeah, it's done. That broke my brain. (laughs) Good. Oh my God. That's my favorite thing you've ever said. I'm really happy you liked it. If there's insects that are sensitive to scents. Oh, I just want to use the word sense now in every way. Man, if I had two cents for every time I said a sentence that was about uh, an insect's sensitivity oh my God, to sense. Grinding against my brain. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. If a a bug mm-hmm. has a, an immediate reaction to a smell. Oh yeah. <laughs> it could be bad. Okay. Whereas we might think it's good. I see. All right, there you go. I added a lot of different consonants Whew. in there to help help center you again. You did a great job. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I do know that peppermint is is not good for dogs. That's one example of a mm. of something that we like to smell and that yeah, and there's, they can't animal. handle it. Yeah, it's like it's like toxic to them. Yeah, well, especially if they eat it. But that's a similar thing. It would be toxic to them. Um, most likely, it'd be toxic in a way that like it destroys their gut biome or something. Yeah. So they like end up either vomiting a lot or they have diarrhea or something like that. And when we were watching a video about this earlier, they said that eucalyptus also, if we humans were to eat a like a certain amount of the oil, it would be toxic to us as well. That's right. It was like a startlingly small amount. Too. Yeah, right? But it tastes so bad. There's no way that we would do that. We'd be like, blah, 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 what is this? And yeah. spit it out immediately. It's like 2.5 milliliters, which God. could kill a human. Stunning. Just stunning. But then koalas eat like 100 pounds of it a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they're champs. Well, and that is because, if I recall, koalas... Um, get a bacteria from their parents. Was it from their parents' poop or like a specific kind of yes, feces? Yes, the mother feeds the infant koala special feces. Oh, yeah. I really like that. Like, hold on, honey. And they pull out like a little <laughs> jar of special feces. Yeah. Like, oh, the special feces, mom. It's like an ornamental jewelry box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it has, that feces has the sort of like starter kit for eating eucalyptus. Yeah, because it has that bacteria, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then that bacteria gets into the gut of the 
the child, the mm-hmm. baby, and then it now has that. And people, we do that all the time. Like gut biomes are so fascinating. And that's the reason that they can eat it is because they have this bacteria that can dissolve and effectively um disarm these oils or disarm the leaves of their oil protectors right but so the uh the leaves of the eucalyptus as well as a bunch of other different things another australian species the tr- the tea tree oh yes it also has these same things um a lot of different fir trees do the same thing where you can get um fir or pine or hemlock essential oil cedar is a cedar. really popular one. Oh, great one juniper i mean a lot of yeah. times they put those together said or not cedrus uh cypress that's actually what we're smelling right now too that's right so all of these things all have something in common common, which is they are specifically designed or have evolved to be defenses against other things. Tobacco and nicotine is another kind of compound hmm. that um, if you have, in fact, it kills insects um, in a insecticide that they created. It's just really, really bad. I mean, it works really well, but that's why it's so bad. It's called neonicotinoids, and they're Ooh. derived from the same kind of uh, chemical compound. Okay. And the entire point of this is a defense mechanism that the trees create in and of themselves. So the trees have this in eucalyptus. It's all throughout their bark. It's actually what makes them super flammable as well, which is why oh. they're uh, really um, fire-adapted species is because, you know, if you want one thing, it comes with the other. So they're like, well, this keeps all insects and most animals at bay. I can live free but it just so happens I burst into flames every now and then. Right. <laughs> well, I guess we're just going to have to take what we got. You know, shoots and ladders. Yeah, right? So they ended up basically, hold on, I don't understand what you just meant by that. Uh, I think the, what I was trying to say is the British the British euphemism uh, swings and roundabouts, I think <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> okay. It's like ups and downs, you know? You take some, you, oh, you win some, you lose some. I see. Okay. Yeah. Shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders is, you know, like the board game. Yeah. So, like, sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down. I see. Okay. Swings right. and roundabouts. This makes me feel good. Yeah, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Well, this is a swing and a roundabout. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. I hope it didn't seem like I wasn't listening. I just, my brain had to talk and stop and catch up at the same time. I know. I appreciate you. So, yeah, the, the trees the trees are like, you know, I keep insects away, but also sometimes I become... Uh, a, a living uh, fire god. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or, or perhaps a, a dying fire god. Oh, no. Many of them die from that, where they would get completely burned to the ground and then sprout back from a lignotuber, is what it's called, which is basically mm. just an underground stem, almost, which has roots coming off of it, but then as soon as fire goes over, it just bloop, everything grows right back from it. It's the backup. Yeah. It's exactly what it is, wow. except it grows horizontally underground, like a um, rhizome kind of thing. That's interesting. Yeah, but then this species, our, our eucalyptus regnans, does not have that. They actually would completely die and get killed by fire, mm. but their seeds are fire-resistant, so they will just pop right back after that. Right. I also know that eucalyptus are very fast growers. Very fast. Like, one of them, uh, we were looking earlier at... Uh, Diversa loba, eucalyptus diversa color. Diversa color. Yes, that one is a, what are they? It's the kari tree. Mm-hmm. Kari tree, I think. It depends on the uh, pronunciation. Yeah. Not to be confused with the kari tree. Kauri tree. Kauri tree, yeah. yeah. Um, and it ends up uh, basically um, growing, I think I read a thing that said like grows up to 36 inches or more a year. And then. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's three feet for those of you who are uh, trying to do that. Uh, about a meter for those of you who are, you know, also not able to keep <laughs> wow. track of what we're saying. Really covering your bases. Nice Everything job. Everything done, yeah. A yard, if you're a football player. <laughs> 
So it ends up being that, like that was the minimum size growth. I read something for that tree that said, oh, they generally live to be about 300 years old. And I was like, wait a second. Something else said they generally get about 300 feet tall. Yeah. A quick bit of math tells me they grow about three feet a year every year of their life and then they die. That's wild. Crazy, right? Uh, another reason why they're so good for the pulp wood industry exactly yeah you chop a shit ton of them down and they grow back they grow back real fast Man, three feet a year is insane 30 years and it's 90 feet tall yeah stunning that's pretty cool well so uh back to the essential oils Mm -hmm. we use them for the same reason that the trees use them and this is a, a classic example of how people um historically meaning like you know throughout our entire existences have used plants as um a part of our everyday lives you know I don't want to take us on another tangent, so oh, I'm just yeah. going to say this sentence. And I can, won't follow it. We can move it. right back on. Uh, black willow and aspirin. Exactly. We Black willow has, has a natural painkiller, and, and, and then we use that to, we chemically copied that to make aspirin. Exactly. So we're sort of doing the same thing with these essential oils. Precisely, yeah. And we take those oils and we uh, basically, you kind of have to distill them out from the plant parts, mostly the leaves, of course. Mm. And there are some that are better that have stronger oils that, you know, do different things. And you can use those for all of these things or a lot of new, uh, I wouldn't even say new, I think we're almost rediscovering the use of these kinds of plants in that we would make um, bleach and be like, this is a bleach cleaner, you know, we'd do all these things and people are like, this is like really corrosive and like it hurts my hands and it hurts my eyes and I hate all this stuff about it. So now people are trying to use plant-based materials more and they're kind of almost rediscovering. It's not that it was ever lost. Everyone just kind of stopped paying attention to it because of, you know, basically how we use chemicals. And we always say, oh, well, if we come up with it and we can use this chemical where it's probably better. Sure. It's not all the time. You can get the same uh, the same amount of disinfectant from using a the essential oils of, say, the tea tree, uh, the tea tree, as well as eucalyptus, and then maybe something from pine or cedar, and then other different chemicals that come in, use those things, and then you can create the same amount of effect, or you can create the same effect, rather. Mm. Um, And people are realizing that. So now you can get um, cleaners that are derived from plants that are biodegradable, but still have these properties. And we are using that right now. We're using this scent because it also has a calming effect on us. Like yeah. why necessarily? My bet is, as we've talked about obviously a hundred times, is that if you go into a forest, it smells like all those um, essential or the, the volatile organic compounds. They're in the air. You're breathing them in and you're like, Mah, and you just relax. Like your brain takes it down a notch. Yeah. Could be exactly the same thing that we are having in the, the incense here. If you just have a candle like that. That those same compounds are now in the air. You're breathing them in. You're calming yourself. So it's like a forest bathing inside of this little box that we're in. It's interesting. Yeah. And that's what's cool about um, the eucalyptus specifically is that they are famous for it. Each one of their leaves have glands that produce this. It's in the wood. It's Most likely, it's the same exact compounds that are in the soil that are causing it to be allelopathic. Very well done. Thank you, Alex. I've been practicing for days. (laughs) And so the tree is using these things for its own health because... 
the tree, what does it not want to have happen to it? It doesn't want to die. Exactly. And how does it live? What does it use to produce all of its food? Mm, sunlight. Yes. And it does that via the... Photosynthesis in the leaves. Yes. You got it, Alex. Thank you. So those leaves are evergreen. Most, I think, if not all, I think there's a few species of eucalyptus that are not evergreen. Ooh. They lose their leaves after the dry season or during the dry season when there's just not, no water. Yeah. But most of them are evergreen because they live in these lovely tropical biomes or subtropical and they end up getting all these leaves and now if they put all their effort into keeping their leaves evergreen and something comes and eats them then they've lost their leaf they, they can't just regrow new ones every single year mm. so those leaves are really important so they end up growing these really cool compounds and putting them in the leaves as a protective layer as a chemical uh, agent against insects against I see everything and so is it fair to say that like the, the eucalyptus maybe isn't too worried about koalas. Yeah, I would say so because okay. unless koalas uh, become so prevalent that they get destroyed or that same, another insect or another herbivore will go and eat some of that koala poop, yeah. get that bacteria um, in its gut for whatever reason, however that happens, then all of a sudden it now has evolved the ability or at least evolved the relationship with the thing that already has the ability to eat those leaves, then the eucalyptus might really be in trouble. Right. Because then everything else is going to start, you know, becoming able to eat the eucalyptus leaves. But that's the the classic arms race that's always existed with plants and animals is that as soon as you get one thing that works really well, over time, something is going to get around that defense. Yeah. And then the initial defender is going to have to evolve something else or perish. Like the thorns of the umbrella thorn and the tongue of the giraffe. Exactly. And so what's interesting here, Alex, is I think is that we're what we're finding and what we always talk about is all these really interesting things about one tree or one tree species or one group. Mm -hmm. But then if you take that larger thing, you're really good at this. We're saying, oh, it was like this other thing we talked about. It's like this other thing. Yeah. When we're doing this for like five years, we're going to look back and we're going to have created this web of connection between everything where you can say, well, every tree is is fighting against every other thing in this world. It just so happens the umbrella thorn took this example because it was getting eaten by these big things. So it has to grow big thorns. Insects and small mammals can get around all those big thorns. So you have to put something inside the leaves. That's what the eucalyptus does. Then you have other trees that just um, grow way differently or do this other thing or have whatever it is that fights against it. You can make all these fun connections. And then there's other trees like the larch. It's just like, I don't care. You can just take whatever you want. Yeah. I'm going to grow it back. This, this web you're describing of connections, this is the real wood wide this, web. This, exactly. It's the world wood wide web. The world wood wide web. No, oh, that's a www. <laughs> well, Casey, this is a grand time to go into our review of the eucalyptus Regnans. I think so. Here's how it'll go. We are each going to give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. This season, of course, honor spelled H-O-N-O-U-R. The Australian Y. It'll be strange to go back to the American spelling next yeah, season. Yeah, I'm going to feel very archaic when I do that. Yeah. Well, Casey, as our resident expert, All right. we shall begin a victoire. All right. So here's what I think. So... I'm a little bit put off. I love I love that this is a superlative tree. And I love that the forests are uh, it basically it's the it's the Gondwanan version of the Pacific Northwestern forest. Gondwana being yes. the uh, supercontinent that split from uh Laurasia, which was the northern area. Yep. So it is, I just love that that's where it happened, and that's how they are growing. However, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
the Douglas fir is the superlative tree. Okay. Oh my God. Maybe the redwood, obviously, right now. But I just think that the Douglas fir, technically, I, I believe, in my heart, it's my bias. The Douglas fir has everyone beat. Maybe not right now, but they used to. And I know that they're saying the same thing about the you know, eucalyptus regnans. I just have a hard time believing that a, um, that a broadleaf tree can grow so tall. I believe that it's a gorgeous tree. I love its leaves. I love that it has either uh, just bursts into flames and gives itself up to the sky or fights back and then comes back from tubers and all these things. Yeah. I just really like that it has these uh, these several different strategies. I guess not this tree specifically, which is the one we're rating. Um, but I love their lance-shaped leaves. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they kind of are lance-shaped and they kind of have like a curve. They look kind of like a scythe blade. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. A yeah. scythe blade is a perfect way to describe yes. them. Yes. I'm going to give it a seven point six. Just going to give it a 7.6. 7.6, Golden Cones of Honor. I feel bad, Alex. I feel bad because I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of like, poo-poo on you. That's higher than I was going to go. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, well, I don't want to change yours, but I, uh, it's just, just, I think they're such great trees, and I guess I just want to go down there and see them and touch them in my own, with, with my own two hands. For sure. But I'm also a conifer guy, you know? It's kind of like, you know, almost when I mean, you see a non-conifer doing conifer things, it's kind of like, hey. Get, get back in your lane, eucalyptus. 7.9. I'm changing it to 7.9. Oh, wow. Okay, 7.9 golden cones of honor yeah. for the eucalyptus regnans. That's right. The I, mountain ash. The mountain ash. All right. I think the eucalyptus regnans is a gorgeous tree. I, I have a big beef with it, and my big my big beef is with the person who named it. Oh. Call it the something with a eucalyptus. Oh, I see. It's okay. going to make naming this this episode really challenging. I like its leaves. I like that it houses koalas. Mm. I like koalas. Yes. They remind me a bit of myself. What? Because you only eat leaves that are very <laughs> bad for you? Uh, I like that they grow in Australia. Australia is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were really into it in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like the smell, and I'm going to give it 7.2. 7.2. Yeah, 7.2 Point golden two. cones of oh, no. I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, it's not bad. There's a lot of eucalyptus. I think if we saw it, I think that would change our change our hearts and minds. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Australians. You're going to have to send us some, some eucalyptus. I also don't feel a particular emotional attachment to this specific species of eucalyptus. Really? Not really. Why I mean, is that? I guess I've never... I don't feel an emotional attachment to any any specific species of eucalyptus. Do you I, think it... Because when we when I came into this episode, I thought that eucalyptus was a species, not, oh, not a genus. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned that today. Welcome. Well, that was our review of the eucalyptus regnans, the mountain ash, the swamp gum, the stringy gum. Stringy swampy gum. We got some stringy swampy gum up in this mouth. It's time for our completely arbitrary question and answer, Casey. Alrighty. Today's question is from Matthew Johnson. What's up, Matty? Hello, Matthew. Hey, Alex and Casey. Hi. Love the podcast. Hey, great start. Haven't missed an episode since the start. You guys are amazing. That's uh, nice. Get out of here. You're just, you're just buttering us up is what he's doing. <laughs> I love getting buttered up, though. I had a question about tree grafting. Oh. Is grafting at all beneficial for everyday people, or huh. is it only used in commercial settings? All right. Matthew Johnson, what a good question. Yeah, what do you think, Casey? Alex, are you familiar with grafting as I a thing? I had to Google it before we started recording. Okay. I think it's unnatural and weird and makes me uncomfortable. It's a little creepy. Yeah, all right. That's fair. But grafting seems... Seems very like Frankenstein esque. It is, yeah. Um, 
I don't know almost anything about it. I know that you literally tape, you cut and tape a branch into another branch. Exactly. And the tree is like, I'll take it from here. Oh, go. It is. Yes, Alex, you're right. There's a couple different kinds. It's gotten a little more refined over time. Sure. But essentially, it's exactly what it is. You have... um, you have one plant part and you cut off the top of it and you have another plant part or another stem or mostly and you cut that stem so you have two different trees, same exact size, same diameter. You cut them and then you switch them so you put the top part on the bottom part of the other tree. Okay. And then you literally, you're exactly right, like sometimes they put some kind of hormone on there or some weird glue stuff and then they tape it and they just let it sit there. And then ideally you have it matched up perfectly that the cambium layers all around the outside of either one of those stems basically are touching so then they're like, oh yeah, it's just, it's my same, it's my thing, same, same old homies. Yeah. And they grow together and they become a new thing. It's a bit like undoing nature, no? It, yeah, it kind of is. And so in the uh, like commercial industries for tree growth, um, it comes in handy for a lot of different ways. One way would be um, if you have a tree that is a... It's really beautiful. A Japanese cherry is a great example. Okay. Where a Japanese cherry with double flowering uh, flowers, super gorgeous. However, because it's that doubling flower or double flower, it doesn't have- It can't reproduce. Exactly. So you can't make more of them unless you take cuttings from it. Oh, So okay. you grow one, and then as its stem is coming out, you can clip off that, uh, that stem, uh-huh. flip it from horizontal to vertical, and then cut a root stock or cut a, another tree that's growing growing another Japanese cherry, but just a normal variety, a normal species, cut that off and then stick the branch onto the old stem. Now that is a new tree, as long as the graft takes, which it doesn't always. Um, But they also will do that with um, buds where they'll take a bud of one tree and they will put it onto the bud of another tree Hmm. and then that bud will grow into a new tree and they clip off the rest of it. Wacky. Yeah. So it's really, they've gotten very good at it. It's a, it's, it can be good, quite literally wacky because they whack it off. Uh. But the, um, the fun thing about it is that it works well for, um, certain trees where if you can't reproduce that tree, you have to take it by cuttings. Sometimes you can just put root hormone and have new roots grow from that area. But other times you just graft it onto a root stock. That's really good. Uh, Another example is a kind of tree that grows and has really big beautiful flowers or has like a unique shape or appearance of the leaves some cool thing that we really like but the tree if you grow that variety out the actual um, upper canopy is really beautiful but its root system sucks like Mm. for whatever reason that variety grows a certain way above ground its roots are just pathetic then you can cut that off, graft it onto a rootstock of the same uh, species of tree, but a different variety mm-hmm. that has really, really good, strong roots. Now you have oh. the best of both worlds, right? Wow, okay. So that is what, that we have a cherry tree out here that is invasive. It's the uh, bird cherry or sweet cherry. And that's exactly how it became invasive is that it has incredible root systems, but we wanted to have the fancy parts of cool cherries so we put it on the really tough root system, but then at some point that root system sprouted, made cherries, birds ate it, and now it's escaped. So to address Matthew's question, is it yeah. beneficial for everyday people or used in only commercial settings? Yeah, I think it is beneficial for everyday people if you like cultivars, uh, the cultivated variety of trees, yeah. because they would use it in a, co- a commercial setting to grow a bunch of plants and then sell those to you to grow wherever you want to grow it. Okay. You could uh, also maybe say like, there's these two apple trees. Yeah. Let's pretend that we're back in like 1800s. All right. There's these two apple trees. This one, 
they always we can grow a lot of them. They grow really fast, but the apples taste like crap. Yeah, these ones, the apples taste wonderful, but it's so hard to get them to grow. Could yeah. you graft a branch from the delicious apple tree onto the root system of the the really fast growing apple tree? Yes, and suddenly you have fast growing delicious apples. Exactly, and that is that's that's the quintessential way that it affects everybody. That you could use it on a person, you know, an individual basis. Yeah, but there's another thing that you can do. There's two other ways, Alex, that I think we should talk on. One is that if you have a an apple tree or a cherry tree, you could literally do exactly what you just said. But they have made it work so you have one stem in the ground. This cherry tree grows up, and then they take several different species or varieties of cherries, the bean cherry, the uh, uh, pie cherry, another Mm -hmm. kind of cherry, you name it, Rainier. Rainier. Take all of those, and you can take cuttings from all those three or four or five different species or varieties and you can graft them as branches onto one single tree. Wow. So that you have branch A is producing Bing cherries, branch B is producing Rainier cherries, huh. branch C, branch D, so forth and so on, making different kinds of cherries. Interesting. Yeah, I've seen that with apples, with cherries, with oh, a bunch of different things. That's, uh, as I've said before, a bastardization of nature. That is a Frankenstein if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, that's crazy. There's one other cool way that I thought, I think people should do more often, but I think I've only seen it a handful of times. Okay. So if two branches, I think someone actually put this on our Instagram the other day, where there was a branch of, from one tree, just two, just one big tree growing up, a branch came over and was rubbing on another branch from the same tree. Rubbed together to the point where the two branches then lost their bark, but their bark and uh, cambium layers were then touching. Oh, and they ended up grafting themselves together. Aha. So I've seen that a bunch of different times where two branches will graft themselves together and then grow and get huge. And you have like this weird like branch that kind of comes together and then just becomes one. You're right. like, well, how, how did that happen? It's very strange. However, I've seen that happen on purpose where someone had a beech tree. It's out in Lake Oswego at a garden. And this big beech tree was coming up, but it had two main dominant stems, which are usually bad because um, it's not a very well-formed union at the base. Mm. But they had two branches they were growing out towards each other so they angled those branches down grew them out to each other cut off the tips and then grafted those two branches together basically as if they were um, cabling both of those stems together so the trees grew up two stems growing Uh away from each other and then there were two individual branches that they grafted together between the two stems maybe up like 30 or 40 feet into the tree those two stems grafted together and now they're putting on wood just like any other normal branch. Uh-huh. So it's a it's literally a built-in support system for the tree of and by the tree. Wow. Isn't that weird? It's weird. I think that's super cool. Imagine making a ladder out of tree branches or something like that. I mean, that that's some like serious, like if you, if you want to be like a professional, um, Treehouse, yeah, crafter. That's some. That's some like next level shit that's you could incorporate level. Yeah. into into your tree houses is using the tree to make the house. Exactly. You know? That's cool. Yeah. So I'd say yes, it is helpful in in a person to person sense because we benefit. You know, you can plant one of those grafted apples in your yard, and you can get those delicious apples that grow on really good rootstocks, mm-hmm. cherries, things like that. Um, in other instances, I think they're awful because you're just like forcing a tree to grow, and when they do it commercially, usually it's because they. Have have fancy trees they want to grow on, less fancy trees, and inevitably they do it really quickly. Some are really good at it, but if they do it poorly, then you just have a really, really awful graft point way down low on the tree. And then people would plant those trees and you just get these weird bulbous things growing at the base because that's like the 
um, rootstock that's growing really, really fast. The top part still doesn't grow really fast because they have different genetics. Yeah. So you have this top part that's not growing really fast, this bottom part that is growing really fast, but it's connected. So it kind of looks like you have a one foot diameter pipe that immediately grows down to a six inch diameter pipe. Um, and then you have this weird looking tree. It happens on Japanese cherries all the time. I've seen that. Yeah. A and bunch. Have you ever seen a weeping Japanese cherry? Uh, maybe. Well, it's it's a weeping variety of cherry, so all the branches just kind of grow down. Yeah. How do you get that up high so you have it like a six foot tall weeping Japanese cherry? Oh, you graft it on top of a pre existing stem. Exactly, way up there. So it it looks cool and you can make it work, but also you can always see the graft where these things happen. I've seen it on a bunch of other trees, some a different species of ash tree, maple tree, all these things. Mm. They can look really bad, and then if the rootstock um, ends up fighting back, basically, somehow you can get this thing called reversion, where the upper portion of the tree will revert back to the normal genes that it's probably getting from the rootstock somehow in some way because trees and you know genes and weird things like that. Like imagine grafting to someone else's arm onto your arm yeah it's gonna look different it's gonna do weird things frankenstein indeed it's so frankenstein so yes yes and no cool there's the answer a very comprehensive answer thank you so much for your question matthew johnson thank you and if you have a question about trees or other related topics email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com or follow us on instagram at arbitrarypod that's a-r-b-o-r-t-r-a-r-y pod or follow us on uh, patreon support the mm-hmm. podcast with a uh, monetary currency Mm, yes, we also don't accept Bitcoin. You can join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month or the Cone of the Month Club for a unique cone sticker illustrated by a special independent artist every month. <laughs> and Casey. Alex, what a delight. It smells great in here. Good midday to Good you. Good midday to you as well. Thank you for this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Uh, go light a candle, everyone. Yeah, go light a eucalyptus candle and <laughs> thank your lucky stars that it's not toxic to us. And it hasn't burst into flames yet. That's right. At least the tree. Maybe, hopefully, the candle will. Yeah, the candle's meant to burst into yeah, flames. Yeah, in a controlled fashion. Yes. Yeah. Burst is the wrong word. Thank you so much <laughs> for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.